What's up, Hoop Ball Nation? It's Brandon Marcus from the Hoop Ball Clippers podcast. We're chatting about an exciting time in Clipperland with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George looking to lead the team to an NBA title. Tune in to hear guests ranging from TV voice Brian Seaman and radio voice Noah Eagle to various beat writers and team bloggers. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Hoop Ball Clips and follow me at BD Marcus. Looking forward to having you tune in. Before we begin the show, we want to bring you a message from our friends at MyBookie. I hope you guys feasted up on the MyBookie Turkey Day free play that allowed users to grab themselves a risk-free bet up to $250. It was basically a free shot at trying to double your money. If you didn't get in on that, what are you doing? No, but seriously, now is the time to get some skin in the game with MyBookie, where odds boosts, lightning deals, and free bets await all season long. And with the NFL playoffs right around the corner, we know who these teams are, we know what they are capable of, and it's not difficult to find some value in the lines. Especially if you're going to bet against the Pittsburgh Steelers because they look awful right now. Anyways, whether you're a first-time customer or have been playing with MyBookie for years, there is no shortage of value to be found in thousands of game lines, unique prop bets, and contests that they offer every week. Sign up or get reloaded today, find an edge, make your bet, and get paid. They also boast a fully-fledged casino platform, giving you access to all the classic table, slot, and card games you'd expect to find at your local spot. And the best part is, at MyBookie, the doors never close, so you can continue to build your bankroll even after the stadium lights have gone out. Make the right play and sign up today at MyBookie. And when you do, use promo code HOOPBALL to get your deposit matched halfway all the way up to $1,000. The terms are simple. You put in the $200, they'll match you with another $100 in your account. If you were already planning to bet this season, this is free betting money. It's winning season at MyBookie, so come on in and join the fun and win some cash while you're at it. Now, on with the show. The following is a HoopBall presentation. Good morning, Bulls fans, and welcome to the Hoop Ball Chicago Bulls podcast. Yes, we're recording on a Sunday morning because we've got an afternoon game today. We've got a preview lined up with Brandon Marcus of the Hoop Ball Los Angeles Clippers podcast, so very excited to bring you that. I understand for a lot of Bulls fans today that your attention might be elsewhere. Yes, the Chicago Bears are playing their probably lone playoff game against the New Orleans Saints. So that's going to be on a lot of people's minds, and that starts at basically the same time as the Bulls and the Clippers. But this is the final game of this four-game road trip that has seen the Bulls go to Portland, win by three, Sacramento lose by four, and in Los Angeles two nights ago, losing to the LA Lakers by two. I am very hopeful that the Bulls play a competitive game today. We still don't know what the status of Otto Porter Jr. is going to be. So that's going to have a big effect on the type of rotations that Billy Donovan uses. I expect that you're going to see a lot of Adam Makoka, or at least 10 minutes worth of Adam Makoka. You're probably going to see at least 20 minutes worth of Denzel Valentine. And probably if they can manage to keep him out of foul trouble and keep his play efficient, you'll see at least 20 minutes of Daniel Gafford. You know, the Bulls at this point, this is the fourth game on a 2,000-mile road trip in the middle of a pandemic when you only have 
eight guys, or rather nine guys, and then eight guys, and then if you play Adam Makoka, nine guys. But we are going to have some fun. Brandon Marcus of the Hoopball LA Clippers podcast comes up after this word from our sponsors. Thanks for listening to the Hoopball Chicago Bulls podcast. Support for Hoopball comes from Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Jingle balls to the walls, fellas. Listen up. Untrimmed pubes are a thing of the past. It's time to gear up and get yourself the gift of shaving this holiday season. I am talking about the Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0. That's why the revolutionary company Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their lawnmower 3.0 has proprietary advanced skin safe technology, so this trimmer cuts on your nuts. It's also waterproof, so you can use it in the shower. The lawnmower 3.0 comes inside their brand new Perfect Package 3.0, which makes for the perfect gift this holiday season. Even if you do feel like giving a gift after Christmas is over, Totally fine, no judgment. It's literally everything you need to keep trimmed, cut free, and smelling nice down there. And don't use the same trimmer on your face as you're using on your balls. That's just nasty. Okay, I have alopecia, which is a hair loss disease, so I don't use a trimmer, period. But if I did use one down below, it would definitely come from Manscaped. The Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0 also includes the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant in your armpits. Why are you not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? And yes, your balls stink. Speaking of sweaty and stinky balls, which also includes all three pointers shot by Wendell Carter Jr., I'm thankful for their Crop Reviver. This product, along with the Crop Preserver, keeps your balls from sweating, smelling, and sticking. And these products smell good. Their manly scent is attractive and will help set the mood, if you know what I mean. The Perfect Package also will come with a pair of Manscaped boxers that'll keep your junk feeling fresh all day. It's time to upgrade those overused pair of boxers to Manscaped's high-performance anti-chafing boxers. Tis the season to Manscaped, so get yourself, your dad, your brother, and your friends the best gift of all, the Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0. Get 20% off plus free shipping with code HOOPBALL20 at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Welcome on back. We are doing a cross-promoting Hoopball Bulls and Hoopball Clippers episode. I'm Greg Moraz of the Hoopball Chicago Bulls. Hello there to all you Hoopball Clipper fans out there. And on the other side is Brandon Marcus, who is the host of the Hoopball Clippers podcast. Greg, glad to be on with you, man. This is uh, this is fun. I'm glad we got this crossover. A little preview of Clippers Bulls after uh, both our teams lost yesterday. But listen, a chance for one of us to get back in the win column tomorrow. That is the darn truth. And I want to start off with the Los Angeles Clippers. I was looking at that box score as I was watching the Bulls last night, and I'm thinking, all right, there's got to be a run from Steph Curry in there at some point because what the Warriors have shown this year is that Steph Curry can take over a game like he did against Portland earlier when he had the 62 on Monday. That was a 26-4 to run that the Warriors put up against the Clippers, if I'm correct. 
what happened? Like, how does a team as talented as the Clippers have this happen to them? Dude, Steph got cooking. He, he can really do it against anybody. It's crazy. They were throwing double and triple teams at him all game, and they actually played pretty good defense until that run. And you knew it was in him. I mean, that's the one thing that Steph has is he has that in his back pocket. Whenever he gets hot, it's something that you love to see as a fan. But when you are going against him, that's the one thing you don't want to see. And Steph got hot. And then towards the end of the game, it obviously was close down the stretch. And the Clippers didn't have a call go for go their way. I mean, Paul George had a three go off. He made it. But of course, it was right after the 24 second shot clock went off. So I think that would have changed the game. But really, the difference was that the Clippers kind of went ISO at the end of the game. And that's not going to work when Kawhi is missing shots. And give credit to Golden State. I mean, every single guy that was on the floor contributed, whether it was Wiggins, whether it was Bazemore. I mean, Steph obviously was getting others involved down the stretch. And they got the win. It's the NBA, man. I mean, anything can happen on a given night. But Steph got hot. And once he gets hot, it's tough to uh, really come back from that. What do you think is the issue so far with this Clippers team? Because in my opinion, it's one of the most Jekyll and Hyde teams in the NBA. Mm-hmm. You start off by winning opening night against the Lakers, the defending NBA champions. And then your next game, you beat the Nuggets who ousted you from the NBA bubble last season, but they have really had trouble in the last five games. Each of the last five games has been decided by two possessions or less. And not to mention they had probably the worst loss of the NBA season scoring 73 points and only having 27 in the first half against the Dallas Mavericks. Why do you think this team is as inconsistent as it is? There's been some injuries. I mean, Marcus Morris just came back last game. So, I mean, not the, not the Warriors game, but before that. So they're getting him back and acclimated. They are trying to figure things out rotation wise. I mean, Nick Batum has been unbelievable for the Clippers and they're just trying to figure out where he and Morris make sense in terms of who's going to start, who's going to come off the bench. Kawhi obviously was out um, with his face injury um, mouth, whatever it was. And then Paul George has been unbelievable. But the, here's the thing is that with the Clippers last year, you, you could rely on their bench to pick up the slack at times, whether it was Trez or Lou. Lou's been really bad this year. I mean, he just has not been reliable offensively. And so because of that, when you have guys like PG and Kawhi that are off the floor, and this is the first time that really they have been off the floor together because they were staggered before Marcus Morris came back, you have struggled to find something offensively. And with the Clippers, the one thing they've done, and they've done this for a long time, Greg, is they, they play down to their opponent. And it's frustrating as a fan, really frustrating. And when that happens, you're going to end up with some of these games. And they played really well in the game against the Warriors. I mean, they were up by 22. So clearly they know how to get ahead of these teams. You can look back to the playoffs last year against Denver when they were up big. They know how to get up big. The question is putting that foot to the throat and getting the W and they haven't been able to get that killer instinct. But the one thing is I'm not that concerned because you're 10 games in you have a brand new head coach that's trying to figure out not only rotations, but where his offense wants to go and getting guys acclimated to his offense. And you're trying to incorporate pieces every other game. Someone else is either injured or coming back from injury. So it's a work in progress, but it's the regular season the one thing with COVID is that you can see anything can happen on a given night. And with the NBA, that's what we're seeing. And for the Clippers, I'm really not that worried, but it really has been a Jekyll and Hyde team. Like you said, 
We're here with Brandon Marcus of the Hoop Ball Los Angeles Clippers podcast. I'm Greg Moraz of the Hoop Ball Chicago Bulls podcast as we are doing a crossover preview. Paul George got a big extension from the Clippers in the offseason, and that drew a lot of ire on social media. Do you think that the way that he has started this season, averaging almost 25 points a game, is he on a mission to prove everybody that he was indeed worth that extension? I mean, people can joke about playoff Paul all they want, but do you think for the long-term picture of this team that that was the right move, especially given the fact that there are no guarantees on Kawhi Leonard for the distant future? Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, we've talked about on the Hoopball Clippers podcast that with Paul George, locking him up means that that trade was not a complete waste. I mean, the Clippers trade away Gallinari. They trade away SGA, who's going to be a future all-star. They trade away a boatload of picks. And so they could have easily lost PG and Kawhi and gotten nothing in return. But you lock up PG. So if he is not going to be the future of your team, which, by the way, he's probably going to be, you at least have an asset. But when you to talk about your question before, he is – back to the Paul George that was a top three MVP candidate two years ago. And he had a rough year last year. There's no doubt about it. There was some ups and some downs. People forget how good he was in the bubble at times, by the way. He had a bad game seven against Denver, no doubt about that. But he is a stellar player two ways, offensively and defensively. And he's been really good this year. And he really does have a point to prove. And people keep pointing out the flaws to try and get into his head mentally. And it's weird it's very strange. I don't know why it's become one of the main talking points in the NBA because the guy came out last year during the bubble and said that he was messed up mentally, that this bubble was really hurting him and trying to get back into the game of basketball was difficult for him. So the guy opened up men- talking about his mental struggle and people continue to pile on. And it's strange. doesn't make any sense. It's unnecessary. And he is showing this year why he is the 1B to Kawhi's 1A. Does this team miss Montrez Harrell? I know they have Serge Ibaka, but watching Montrez Harrell last night, he dominated the Bulls in the paint. He had 17 points and 14 rebounds. And I know that he can be somewhat limited with what he does offensively, but man, at least as a bench post player, he makes a huge difference. Do you think the Clippers are missing that? Nope. No, it's as simple as that. I mean, it really is no. And I'll tell you why, Greg, because – Regular season doesn't matter for this team. For the Los Angeles Clippers, the regular season does not matter. They are going to get to the postseason, and Montrez Harrell is unplayable in the postseason. There are teams that figure out how to get him in action, and he can't defend. I mean, as much as I really enjoyed having him on the Clippers, he was a liability to no end last year. And with him off that team, you now have guys in Ibaka, and in Zubats that know how to defend that are good defenders and can help offensively as well. I mean, what Ibaka brings to this team offensively, the ability to stretch the floor and shoot the three ball is something that we haven't had in a big man since probably Spencer Hawes. I mean, it's been a long time for the Clippers having a guy you can rely on. And frankly, Hawes is not a guy you can rely on. So I'm not sure the last time they've had somebody that can be as good in that offense. And so with Trez, Regular season, do they miss him? Sure. I mean, fine. Like I said, I mean, Lou and Trez were great last year. There were games that they could take over and get you a win because their bench was great. But honestly, in the playoffs, would I rather have him on my team or somebody else's team? Somebody else's team. Let him be the Lakers' problem in the postseason.
Hey, I think that's a fair enough point. I'm just glad that you didn't agree and say yes, that they do miss him because of the fact that he's putting up X stat and Y stat. So yeah. you make a good, you make a good argument. And I agree with you. Like he's a guy that is just so limited that you're not going to play him crunch time minutes in the postseason. He's right. just a guy that is not going to come up clutch for you because he is so limited. Zach Levine has been hot the last couple of games. He is really proving why he could be an elite two guard in this league. Defensively, what is the strategy for guarding him? Is it trying to get Pat Beverly really on ball on him? Like who on this Bulls roster from what you've seen is Pat Beverly going to be the primary defender on? It's interesting because I'm not entirely sure if they're going to do that. Um, Because I was thinking about that before I came on this podcast, what would end up being the defensive strategy. And the one thing with the Clippers is that when you have Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and Pat Beverly on the floor, any of those guys can help defend Zach Levine. So the ability to switch is going to be something that helps the Clippers a lot because when you can zero in on one guy like the Clippers can with Zach Levine, especially when you have Otto Porter who went out injured and who knows if he'll be back next game, there are not many threats that the Bulls will throw at you. And with Levine, the Clippers can go at him with three different dudes who know how to defend. And Pat Beverly is a pest, so he'll be on him for sure. Paul George will be on him for sure. And so with the Clippers, it'll be a group defensive effort to try and slow him down. And the one thing with Zach Levine is he's damn good, man. He's really, really good. He was on J.J. Reddick's podcast last year talking about how he struggled coming off of his injury, and he needed a year to get back into form. And you're seeing how it's carrying over this year into the guy that everyone thought he was going to be. It also really helps that Jim Boylan is no longer the coach. As a lot of people in Chicago media say, thank goodness Jim Boylan is still fired because this team is playing with a joy right now that I didn't see, not just going back to last year or the year before, but really at any point since Tom Thibodeau got fired. Like this is the most confident I've seen a Chicago Bulls team play. You know, the Fred Hoiberg and Jim Boylan eras were an absolute disaster because the Bulls decided we want to switch directions right in the middle. Like they go and they get Dwayne Wade and Rajon Rondo to pair up with Jimmy Butler and they win the first two games of that series against the Celtics and Rondo gets hurt. And then they just blow the whole team up after that because there's like, there's no reason to have all these veterans around. They ship Jimmy Butler out of town. And this rebuild has just been kickstarted again and again and again, it feels like. And the Bulls, finally, it seems like they know what they want to be. Mm-hmm. One matchup that I think is really going to be critical is the bench. And mm-hmm. the reason why I say that is this. You brought up Otto Porter. He went out with back spasms. And if injury history is anything with him, more than likely he's not going to play. The Bulls are without Lowry Markinen because of COVID protocol. Mm-hmm. Tomas Sadoransky tested positive for COVID. Chandler Hutchison, who is probably one of their top two bench guys that can play anywhere from the two to the four, he's out. And Ryan Archidiakono, who is one of their backup combo guards, is also out. So more than likely, the Bulls are going to rotate in eight guys. It's really hard to win in the NBA when you've got eight guys. Mm -hmm. So I guess the thing that I want to know is, is, what have you seen from the Clippers bench so far this year that has impressed you? It depends on the game. It really depends on the game. Uh, I mean, they have not been good recently. Um, in the last couple of games, Zoo has not been good. 
and he's a guy that Clippers fans were clamoring for. I mean, when Trez was playing over Zoo in the playoffs, Clippers Twitter was going berserk because you just look at the plus minus with Trez on the floor versus Zoo. Zoo was a plus 20 in a game that they lost by 10 at times. Like, it just shows you how bad they were with Trez. So now Zoo comes off the bench to give some help to the defensive side and that he hasn't been very good offensively. Marcus Morris is still getting incorporated. Reggie Jackson is a guy that can get points off and on. Lou Williams hasn't been in double figures, I think, in four of the last five. Luke Kennard is a guy that signed a big contract that is trying to get his legs back under him because he didn't play basketball all of last year, basically. So they've got guys. There's no doubt about it. When you have all the names that I just gave you, there are guys that can score, guys that can contribute, guys that are decent um, defensively when you look at Zoo and Morris. I mean, the one thing with Reggie and Kennard and Lou is that they bleed points. And Ty Lue has played them together a lot. And so we'll see if he goes away from that. But with the Clippers offensively, there are guys that can score. So that's the one thing with that bench that can be a weapon against the Bulls. And the one thing that we know is that any given game, someone can get hot. I mean, Lou Williams gives you 20 points off the bench and the Clippers are going to win by 20. I mean, it just is going to be that type of game that I think you said it. The bench will be critical. There's no doubt about it. And I say it because two things. First of all, if the Clippers get a big lead, can the bench hold it? Second of all, if the Clippers, by the way, they're most likely going to get a lead with those starters because the Clippers starters versus the Bulls starters should favor the Clippers. But then you look at it and say, what will the Clippers bench do when they're asked to play big minutes against a Bulls bench that possibly could try and chip back into it? So I, I, we'll see. But I think the Clippers bench has the edge. The question is, can they put it together? And the one thing the Clippers have shown is that they're able to bounce back after a bad loss. And so that's what I'm anticipating in this game against the Bulls. Well, you bring up a critical point, though, in terms of the bench being able to hold it. Hmm. The Bulls are going to have at least two starters on the floor at any point in the ballgame. And especially in the backcourt. And that's why I brought up the question of defensive strategy earlier against not just Zach Levine, but against Kobe White. Because of the three main bench guys available, only one of them is a guard, Denzel Valentine. And the Bulls really do not want to have to play Adam Makoka, who is a G League player. He's a two-way guy that got into about 10 games last year. He's a G League player. And he played seven minutes last night, and that's only because Otto Porter Jr. got hurt. So Zach Levine and Kobe White, more than likely, each of them are going to play at least 32 minutes I think last night Levine played something like 37. So they are, both of them are going to carry the load for this team offensively. So I think where you look at another critical matchup is when you talk about how they defend Levine and defend White, it's a matter of energy and it's a matter of what can the Clippers do to de-energize a team that is going to be playing the fourth game on this road trip that started off Monday night in Portland or Tuesday night in Portland, pardon me, you know, you're 2000 miles away from home and you're playing with eight guys. I mean, this to me, I was surprised that the bulls played as well as they did against the Lakers. Mm-hmm. This to me has the potential to be a blowout in favor of the Clippers. Here's the one thing that does concern me, Greg, the Clippers have been awful in afternoon games. Awful. I mean, they just, for some reason, the 1230 start, and I know it's one o'clock um, for the game tomorrow. Ha- they have not been good. 
mean, that is the game where they got their ass handed to them by Dallas is a 12:30 start. So I'll be curious to see how they react. And you bring up the word energy. And the question is, do the Clippers have the energy? And you talk about minutes. Paul George played 39 last night. Kawhi played 34. So these are guys that are going to play big minutes. And the one thing that I want to watch is does Kawhi end up sitting with PG? Because they, like I said earlier, they did not stat or they staggered those two for basically every single minute until Marcus Morris came back. And then they decided to let Marcus Morris go on his own and Kawhi and PG sat. Does Ty Lue go back to staggering Kawhi and PG so at least one of them is on the floor at all times? And if he does not stagger them, then in those minutes is Pat Beverly on the floor to try and stop those guards, like you said. That'll be one thing to watch for sure, is how does he end up playing PG, Kawhi, and Pat Bev? Do all three sit at one time? Because if they do, then that's when the Bulls can make a run. Do you think Ty Lue is the right fit as head coach long-term? Because it is in my honest belief that if the Clippers don't blow that lead against Denver in the bubble last year, Doc Rivers is still the coach. That's the only reason, in my opinion, why he got fired. And you may disagree. You could give me another reason as to why that happened. But number one, is that the reason why that happened? And number two, do you think Ty Lue is going to end up being the right long-term fit for where this organization wants to go? I don't think there's an answer to that Doc Rivers question because we have not seen and we never will what happened in a matchup against the Lakers. Because if he would have done the same exact things that he was doing against Denver, and that is playing Zoo 15, 20 minutes and playing Trez 30 minutes and looking and seeing how the Clippers were getting destroyed defensively, very possible that Doc Rivers doesn't return. There were things that Doc Rivers was doing that wasn't changing as the games went on. He was not adjusting. And so to answer your question, Ty Lue is the guy. We have already seen huge differences from the team last year. And you can look especially at the three-point shot. The Clippers are shooting way more threes than they did last year. They're passing the ball way more than they did last year. Kawhi and PG have the ball in their hands more than they did last year. So you've already seen the Clippers play a style that's very similar, by the way, to what Houston did, but not as much on steroids with all the threes and the shots in the paint. That's what the Clippers try to do. They try to get most of their points from three-point range or in the paint. And with Doc, there wasn't really a strategy like at all. You can't go back to Doc's teams and say, yeah, they did this. No, they did that because they didn't. And so, sure, you look at the 76ers right now, and they've done pretty well under Doc. The one thing with Doc, there's never a question about him being a great regular season coach. I mean, the Clippers were always good during the regular season, but – can he get it done in the postseason when he needed to? And he blew a 3-1 lead against Houston, blew a 3-1 lead against Denver, and they didn't have the ability to call people out when they need to be called out. And he lost two different locker rooms. He lost the Lob City locker room, and he lost this locker room. And so that's why I think Ty Lue is the guy, someone that can relate to the players, and you're already seeing payoff big time with how he's been able to relate to these guys and the offense he's been able to implement. Brandon Marcus on the other side on the Hoop Ball Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Los Angeles Clippers. What am I? I just had the Lakers guys on. Oh, gosh. Embarrassing. I I know. I know. (laughs) Let's let's reset. 
Brandon Marcus of the Hoop Ball Los Angeles Clippers podcast. There you go. Greg Moraz here of the Hoop Ball Chicago Bulls podcast. One reason why I feel like this could end up being a close game, I know I said earlier that it might be a blowout because of the Bulls' lack of depth, but Billy Donovan is making his first return to the West Coast as the coach of the Bulls, given that he was with Oklahoma City for the past many years. I feel like he's got a good scouting report on all of these Western Conference teams. Mm -hmm. So I guess the, the question I have for you is, I didn't, go back enough to do much of a study on it what about the thunder at least the pre um modern thunder gave this clippers team trouble if you can even think of anything off the top of your head because i know that the big paul george trade sent a lot of former clippers to okc but mm-hmm. billy donovan last year that may have been one of his best coaching jobs ever because it was chris paul and a whole lot of guys that were on expiring contracts and probably not a part of the long-term future. They're a tough team. I mean, when you have Chris Paul and you have Steven Adams, you have two guys that really just play hard. I think that's one thing that really they did is they played really hard. And I'm assuming you're seeing that with Chicago as well is that it's a team that doesn't give up and they're actually playing with effort. And even when they go down, they're fighting back. And with Oklahoma city, you have guys that are, young you have veterans i'm talking about last year's team sga chris paul you gallinari you had adams dort and you have guys that just all contributed and played different roles and that's one thing that donovan does well is he makes sure everyone knows their role and they play hard and that's why i I tend it's interesting I, i was gonna say i tend to agree that this game could be close honestly i have no clue where this game's going to go because Things that worry me are the early start. Things that worry me are Zach Levine. Things that don't worry me, the Clippers are better than the Bulls. And the Clippers have done better when they've come off a loss. So I can see it being a 30-point game where they blow out the Bulls. And I can also see it being a very close game. The one thing I don't see is the Bulls blowing them out. But really, it could go any way because you never know. But with Billy Donovan, you would tend to think, that it would not be a blowout because these guys do play hard. And frankly, they just showed that they can keep it within two points to the Lakers. So clearly this is a team that knows they can play with any team on any given night. Each of the last three bulls games, all three games on this road trip have been two possession games. They won by three against Portland. They lost by four in Sacramento in a game that I think they could have won. If Rashawn Holmes doesn't have like the game of the year and Mm -hmm. Marvin Bagley decided to finally wake up. And then last night against the Lakers, I mean, look, they played a great game, but there is a caveat being that neither Anthony Davis nor Contavious Caldwell Pope played for Los Angeles. But if you're a Bulls fan, you're looking at that like, I don't care. A win against the Lakers is a win against the Lakers. And LeBron was LeBron down the stretch because that's what he does and against an interior defense that is as poor as Chicago's is you can get to the hole really easily and despite that the Bulls still were positive in terms of the differential on points in the paint I think it was only like a positive like two point differential but they still were positive in terms of the points in the paint so as we wrap it up here on this crossover edition of the Hoop Ball Los Angeles Clippers and Hoop Ball Chicago Bulls podcast, I guess 
my question for you is, and I'll give mine to start off the one matchup to watch for offensively for the Clippers. I am really intrigued to see what the entirety of the front court does against Wendell Carter Jr. Because Wendell Carter Jr. is somebody that is finally starting to play more comfortably. He was lost on the offensive end all of last year and the beginning of this year. But as he has started to find his way on offense, his defense has been a lot better. He's been doing a lot better reading when he has to come over on the help side. He's done a lot better job at being able to clog the lane when a guard does get beaten. The Bulls on-ball defense, especially from the backcourt, has been terrible. Zach Levine and Kobe White, what was it that Bradley Beal said last night? Uh, they couldn't defend a parked car. Hmm. That's how That's how the Bulls backcourt defense is. So I'm really looking to see not just Wendell Carter Jr., but Patrick Williams, who's been awesome defensively so far, how they defend in the interior against any one of the Clippers once they end up getting into the low post. Yeah, that'll certainly be interesting. And the one thing with Ibaka is that he's a veteran, so he's someone that you can rely on and someone that may be a problem for someone like Wendell Carter Jr. Um, The question is, what do the Clippers do to frustrate him? And it's fascinating. And that's definitely a good matchup to watch and someone that we hadn't even talked about with Ibaka and then, of course, with Wendell Carter Jr. because we talk about all the guards and the star players for these teams. And sure, I mean, Wendell Carter Jr. has actually been really good um, of late, for sure. And the question is, does he carry that over to a guy like Ibaka? And he played against a veteran in Marc Gasol yesterday. So clearly, it's something that can carry over. It's funny. I look at the plus minus because that's something that sometimes does tell a pretty good story. And you look at the Bulls yesterday with Levine, a plus eight one of very few that were in that plus of the plus minus side. And I was curious in the Clippers, who was a plus in the plus minus? I mean, look at who was a plus in that game. Beverly was a plus 14. Ibaka was a plus 14. And Batum was a plus 10. And George was zero. And Kawhi was negative one. What that tells me, Greg, is that the defense, I mean, rather the bench was awful. And so that's what I'm watching. It is the non-PG Kawhi minutes and the non-Levine minutes. Because I think that's going to end up determining this game is the other guys. We spent all the time talking about Kawhi and PG and Levine. What happens to the other guys? I mean, Kobe White was a minus 18 yesterday. Which is amazing to me because they don't really stagger their minutes that much, Levine and White. So it, a three-minute differential. Mm-hmm. Levine played 35 minutes. White played 32. And yet somehow one's a plus eight and the other is a minus 18 now. Kobe White scored the first 10 points of the second quarter against the Lakers, and then he didn't really do anything the rest of the game. So maybe that explains it. Yeah, and that's the thing. You bring up, we go all the way back to the beginning of the podcast, Greg, with Steph Curry. And all it takes is a three- or four-minute stretch to change a game. And Steph got hot, and that's why Golden State was able to come back from down 22 to win that game. And so in the NBA, these teams have so much talent that sure, they are separated by guys like Kawhi and PG versus the Bulls who may not have that star power outside of Levine. But because the NBA is so close together with all this talent, all it takes is three or four minutes. And so that's why I think the non-PG Kawhi minutes and the non-Levine minutes will be crucial for both sides. 
He is Brandon Marcus of the Hoop Ball Los Angeles Clippers podcast. I am Greg Mraz of the Hoop Ball Chicago Bulls podcast. I'm going to throw out one final score prediction. I'm going to go Clippers 125, Bulls 115. I just feel like that's going to end up being the score. Bulls will keep it close. Clippers will pull away down the stretch. You got a prediction? Yeah, that's a high-scoring game, and I think that's very close to being reasonable. I mean, I'll say 120-113 as my final score. I think that the Bulls make a run, but in the end, the Clippers just have too much. That's the thing about the Bulls is that you can't stop a player like LeBron down the stretch. You can't stop a player like Kawhi or Paul George down the stretch. So right. that's that's the difference between winning and losing for Chicago at this point. And the Clippers have stars that the Bulls do not, but the Bulls are trying to develop those young guys into stars. And I think we're finally, as you mentioned, now that he's healthy, now that he has a competent head coach, which is so amazing that you even have to say that in the NBA – He's finally making that step towards stardom. So, Brandon, this has been a lot of fun. Appreciate you coming on. Hoopball Clipper fans, it's a pleasure to get to meet you. And we're going to have some fun on Sunday afternoon. Greg, it's been a blast. Thanks for having me, man. This has been a Hoopball presentation.